0: Hey everyone, welcome to the ABCs with D podcast. I'm your host, Dakota Ray, CEO and founder of Equation Sales, a B2B tech sales and marketing strategy firm focused on separating the serious from the curious for our customers. We're digging into topics on this podcast like entrepreneurship, sales and marketing in the tech space, and really everything in between. Naturally, I live for these types of conversations. We're having candid, authentic, and unscripted dialogue, as one listener dubbed it things that every business leader's thinking, but no one's ever saying. If profitability and growth is a priority, you're in the right place. Let's do it daryl thank you so much for taking the time to join me on my abc's with you podcast folks it's daryl prale he is the cmo chief marketing officer at VanillaSoft. daryl thank you so much for taking the time
1: dakota i am thrilled to be here i mean I, i'm i'm hanging out with dakota like <laughs> come on everybody listening i'm the cool kid right now i'm with dakota so that's all i'm gonna say be thank jealous. you
0: Thank you, Daryl. And listen, we're super excited to have you because we're talking about a topic that uh, I love, which is cold calling. And we're actually a customer of Vanilla Soft. We utilize Vanilla Soft for our clients. So this is going to be uh, very interesting. And obviously, I know that Vanilla Soft recently you know, uh, issued a big report about cold calling in, in current states. So we're going to dig into that. But before sure. we do, Talk to me a little bit about what it means to be uh, the CMO uh, at VanillaSoft. So talk a little bit about Vanilla Soft and then what it means to be a chief marketing officer.
1: Oh, my goodness. So um, so for those who don't know, VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform, right? So we would sell to sales organizations primarily, although marketers as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and we help ensure that the sales development reps are engaging with the leads that marketing gives them. like. with super fast speed, persistency, using all the channels you can imagine, email, phone, social, text, video, whatever you can imagine. So, and then the whole objective is using soft. You can turn an MQL into a sales qualified lead. And then the accounting set goes over to the CRM and makes an opportunity, chases it to a win loss. So that's what soft does Mm -hmm. for me as a CMO. It's like the, it's, it's a mixed blessing. So part of it is it's like the easiest job in the world because I live as a CMO. I'm all about making MQLs and making sure that my sales team pursues them. And if they don't, I get upset and I get annoyed, and I, I do what I do. Mm-hmm. So I know this audience intimately well. It's not like I had to go figure out, like you know, in past jobs where I'm like, okay, why does somebody want to buy this semiconductor, you know, wafer? Right. I don't know, right? It's boring. <laughs> it's, I don't, I don't get it. But this world, I get. So that's where it's easy. Um, being a CMO as a whole is. You know, it's fun. I got to tell you, it is fun. Uh, I had my own agency for 10 years because so I had got tired of, of of the whole game. And what I missed by the agency was you get pulled in. They'd always pull you in for the strategy. Oh, you're really good. You can do all this stuff. And then as soon as they hired you, they're like, okay, but can you make this email? Can you make this landing page? And it was very tactical. And and being back in, in the CMO seat with, you know, millions of dollars of budget and a staff and a hot market, it's just it's, it's a marketer's playground because sure. you get to do all the different tactics and channels you want, and, and you just get to really practice your craft. So mm-hmm. I am spoiled. I am, I am blessed. And, uh, and the job is, until they fire me, I'm sticking here because I'm nice. having too much fun.
0: <laughs> nice. And, and, and I love that. And I think, you know, who are anybody who doesn't know you and doesn't follow you on social, I mean, you're active, you're out there. I know we were going to connect on a webinar. Uh, I was always seeing you on LinkedIn. You're, you were there. Your face was there. Your high energy. I loved it. It, it actually inspired me to start webinars So because um, we, we follow Vanilla Soft closely, obviously, because we're a client and, and we always want to see what's going on. And so let's talk a little bit about the CMO role. You talked about, obviously, MQLs. That's something we deal with a lot with our clients. And let's talk about the definition of an MQL because I'd like to hear what your definition is compared to mine. Uh, this may be interesting. <laughs> so let's get into well, that.
1: Let's get into it. I mean, I've got this. If if you're listening audio only, I've got a massive smile on my face right now (laughs) because this is like the best topic ever. And I encourage all the marketers out there to go talk to their sales counterparts and have this exact same conversation and be prepared to not agree at all. So Dakota, you've got an opinion. What do you think an MQL is?
0: <laughs> I love the spin around. <laughs> so for me, and this is something that we talk about a lot, we talk about the friction between sales and marketing, right? As you know, and we've had a laugh about this in the past where you know sales says marketing is not doing their job and they're passing us leads that you know aren't qualified and then marketing saying, oh, sales sucks, they can't close, right? And so we, we do that back and forth. For me, in our definition, at our company, we don't sell necessarily MQLs. We sell SQLs as a service, as yep. one of our services. And so for us, a sales qualified lead is somebody who you've spoken to live, has understood the value prop of your organization or product or service, has agreed to move forward with to learn more because of, they have a timeline, there's a budget, you're talking to the decision maker, and there's a meeting booked in your calendar. That's what we classify as a SQL, as a sales lead. From the marketing side, I know that you can, you know, there's downloading documents and clicking links and attending webinars and all of these different things. Um, I don't really live in the MQL world, to be honest. I don't qualify anything until it's a sales lead. That's where I live. Um, So I don't actually buy into the MQL piece and me and you might have fun here. Um, but that, that's where I sit on it. So until somebody you've spoken to somebody live and, you, and you've had a conversation and they understand and get it and have said, yes, this is something I want to move forward with and learn more, I, I would say they're S, you know, SQL one out of 10 at that point. Um, so I'd like to hear from you on
1: this. <laughs> I'm giggling. I'm giggling here. So let's get rid of some of the drama. We yeah. agree on an SQL. Uh, so okay. I'm working backwards here. A sales qualified okay. lead says that it fits your ideal customer profile and you've had a conversation with them and you've identified through whatever framework you follow. I mean, I use the cliche framework of Bant. Sure. We can all argue whether it's gap or something else, but the idea mm-hmm. that yeah, they've got budget, they've got authority, they have need, they have a timeline, you know, they're qualified and they're willing to take an appointment and talk to somebody, that's sales qualified. I sure. fully agree with you there. Okay. All right. What's MQL? MQL, so for those who are not, you know, you may know the terms, but you may not know the origin. So MQL, SQL, this all goes back to serious decisions back about, I don't know, six, eight years ago, they came up with what's called the demand waterfall. Before that, before that took place, sales and marketing were Venus and Mars. Nobody had the exact same understanding. One would, I would go to a trade show and get a thousand leads because they, they like my tchotchke. And I would sure. bring them to sales and say, Here are your leads. Sure. <laughs> and market, and sales would say, These are BS. These are not leads at all. But I'm like, exactly. Well, they, they took my tchotchke. Exactly. So the man waterfall was a whole point of getting a common vernacular that both sides agreed to. So the MQL in its simplest form, it says that the, the lead, you use my trade show as an example, do they fit my ideal customer profile? And for most cases, that simply means, are they in the right industry? Mm-hmm. Do they have the right job title? Sure. Are they right, are they in the correct region? Mm-hmm. Are, are they uh, in the right revenue size or employee size? And if they're all in that segment, that defined segment, I have no idea if they have a need, but I sure. know that they match my ideal customer profile. Mm-hmm. And something has happened that has caused me to suggest to think. They might have a need. Maybe they downloaded uh, an ebook. Maybe Mm -hmm. they attended a webinar. So that suggests that there's a pain somewhere that they're trying to fix under the premise that the content I'm putting out there is about pain that I can fix. Exactly. Um, Then that, that is an MQL.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, now, and, but I'll it also one. may <laughs> but it also may sound like, um, you know, a persona when you talk about buyer personas, right? So we're putting together this well, with
1: buyer. buyer persona simply says, you know, typically it's going to be, you know, a woman between the ages of 25 and 32, and she's got one kid, and she's in a, a manager role, and these are the problems she's having.
0: Sure. So that's
1: part of your ideal customer profile, but the, so a persona is a subset of your ICP.
0: Yes. Because you can
1: have okay. multiple personas within the ICP.
0: Exactly. The, you know, agree. the
1: economic persona, the technical persona, the champion persona, you know, yeah. etc.
0: And how how important do you think all of what you just spoke about is in having an effective funnel because I don't know if everybody is, is has the expertise that you have, right? So a lot of small businesses that are looking to scale and grow may outsource this. To somebody else to do. How critical yep. is it that that you think that they understand this internally, right? Because I, as oh. much as companies outsource it to us, we still feel like they need to fundamentally get it.
1: Yeah. Right. So fir- one of the first things I did when I came to VanillaSoft was I got all the key players in the room. So imagine this: a room, head of sales, head of product management, head of development, the CEO, the controller. And I sat us all around a table and I said, "Simple exercise, guys. I want you to write down a piece of paper. Just bullets is great, and then we're going to compare notes." Mm-hmm. write down our ideal customer profile. So they did that. They said, okay, now I want you to write down what, how you would define a, a lead that marketing would hand to sales. Sure. And they did that. And I said, okay, great. So let's compare notes, let's go around the table. And we did that. And we were so far off of each other and they would look at each other. And I remember the sales guy looking at the, the, you know, the CEO saying, really, you think that's our ideal customer fi- profile? And he's like, really, you think that's our buyer? That's a lead? yeah and uh and yet before this exercise they thought they were 100 percent aligned there you go all right mm-hmm. so what does this mean in your situation where i can either choose to do this in house or mm-hmm. i could outsource it to somebody who specializes in this mm-hmm. um for me it's kind of like well what are you trying to achieve all Right. so if you if you've already Got the processes in place, and you've got a smooth running machine, and you're hitting your numbers and you're hitting your revenue targets, and you're happy with where you're at. Then, you know, leave it in house. If you're an emerging company or a startup, you don't know what the hell you're doing, you're trying to find your markets.
0: Yeah,
1: option number one, farm it out, let them do the homework for you because you're building a product, right? Or you're building content, or you're building. know early adopters. Let you focus on the early adopters. Let someone like your firm Dakota, you know, actually go and and find you stuff to feed your pipeline. Because here's what's going to happen. What this is what people need to understand. This is this is so big. Someone like you, let me try to put this as gracefully as I can.
0: Sure.
1: You have a lot more to lose than I do if you get it wrong. You are an organization who takes you know, money from clients to deliver sales qualified leads. Mm-hmm. If you don't deliver the right volume of sales qualified leads that you commit to, the client gets upset exactly. and now you have to go spend more time and money making it. So that becomes a, a, a money losing proposition. If you deliver them 10 and they say, well, only seven were qualified, you have to go backfill those three mm-hmm. or, or argue and lose the, with, possibly lose the customer. So now you're losing money. Yet the client doesn't want to pay big bucks for your services. They object to the prices (laughs) you're charging. All right. So you've got to lower your price a little bit, but now you're down to raise the thin margins. Okay. So what does this mean if you're listening to this? This is what this means. This means that Dakota and her team are more than likely way, 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 way way better than your team is right now. Because if they didn't, they'd be out of business. That's what that means.
0: For sure, and, and I love your point around the accelerating the, the learning or let them do the homework because we call it exactly that, right? So we're accelerating the learning for you, right, yes. to truly enable scale so then you can bring it in-house if you need to because it's one piece of our offering, right? It's not everything that we do. And to your exercise around the table, sitting down with everybody, the, the reason why the business is called equation is because we're finding your effectiveness equation, and that may vary depending on the product and service you sell, right? See, so I, we're saying
1: – I love that. Good, good. <laughs> I love, I so, love the story behind that because you're spot on. What you know, said another way, you know, what's the magic formula? It, and how well, do we make this work, right? What's the equation?
0: Exactly. And for us, we're saying e equals effectiveness equals what you say plus how you say it divided by who you say it to squared. So the cadence yeah. and the decision maker will vary depending on the product, will vary depending on the industry that you're selling, right? And so we have to track that to truly enable scale,
1: right? So, Here's something that you, you just hit on something very indirect. In I want to make sure the audience picks up on what, she, what you just said.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She, you know, she said, depending on what we're sell, selling. That was a very – she's just in passing, depending on what we're selling. All right? So you, if you're listening to this, you've got one company. You sell one product or one service, and you are the experts of that. An organization like Equation – has to cater to multiple clients selling multiple products and multiple services, and they have to ramp up quickly or, again, they lose money and they're out of business. So, again, the only way they can do that is by having the right formula, the right processes, and the right infrastructure so they can adapt because what you learn in one industry applies to another. Exactly. Again, that's another proof point that you can let them teach you the mistakes. You can learn from them. I mean, I don't know about you specifically, but I know I am totally guilty of when I work with people like Equation, uh, I I look at their staff and I go, who's really, really good? And then (laughs) I wait for the right time and if they're not happy or they're looking for career change, I put my hand up because I know Dakota (laughs) has trained the bejesus out of them and I'm going to get not just the individual, but I'm going to get the processes with it. 100%.
0: And I mean, I think for us, the the BDR and the cold calling, because I want to make a shift here and talk about the importance of cold calling and your thoughts on it, because cold calling is a portion of what we do. It's not all of what we do. And I know we utilize Vanilla Soft heavily for that. And I know there's a lot of other capabilities. But, you know, let's talk about cold calling right now in COVID time. Uh, My opinion of cold calling has never changed. I don't think it's dead. I think it's extremely relevant. There's a lot of people out there that talk about the fact that cold calling is dead. They think it's dead. They think it's useless. It doesn't make sense. What's your opinion on that?
1: Okay. So multiple answers. So first off, if you think it's dead, then you don't understand cold calling. So let me explain to you, number one. Um, The reason you don't understand it is because... Candidly anymore, there's no such thing as cold calling. If you're picking up a cold list that hasn't been touched, or you're opening up a phone book if those even exist anymore, or you found you you screen scraped some kind of association list offline. That is the definition of cold calling and you're wasting your time, all right? Mm-hmm. So everything is warm. People like Dakota and her crew and, and those who approach this wisely are using the right tools and technologies to physically identify the right people to call, whether it be buying intent signals, you know, lead scoring or what have you. There's lots of, of ways to do it. So it's not cold calling, it's warm calling, right? So that's the first part. Already, you, you know that um I mean, let's look, at the very ba- let's look at the very, very, very basics. How did this begin? We began with saying, well, Daryl, how do you define MQL? And then, and then there's SQL. And I define SQL as they've done this and this and this and this, and they are willing to have an appointment. Okay, stop. How did that take place? Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, that took place with a phone call, so mm-hmm. you could actually gauge the individual to see if they had budget, if they have pains, because it's really hard to do a discovery process on an email. It takes 100%. forever. It's back and forth, and eventually they just stop responding. All right, you want that moment in time. So you're going to get to the phone sooner or later. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Therefore, cold calling is very much alive. And in fact, what we're seeing in these current times, call it COVID, call it 2020, call it a bad Q2, <laughs> and a bad Q3, is you're seeing and a bad that, Q4. <laughs> and a bad Q4, exactly. Um, you're seeing that people actually are increasing- both their use of the phone and their willingness to respond to the phone. And I think a lot of that is because they're working from home Mm -hmm. or they're working with reduced expectations and they're actually looking to have a conversation with a real human being. Sure. And they actually have time now to sit back about this because maybe, maybe their activity isn't what it was historically and they're using this time to go back and say, well, how do we, how do we get not more leads, but because I can't get more leads because you know, things are slower. So how do I get better leads? Sure right? So yeah. what are the tools I'm using? What are the vendors I'm using? What are the technol- the processes I'm using? Yeah. So co calling has never been more effective as it is. Now, if you look at the stats, we did a study uh, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the studies we did was we, we did two studies. One, we we, call, we looked at all the data in our, our system, right? So we looked at uh, Neanderthal, we normalized and cleansed it all. It was over 120 million interactions. Okay. That's uh, study number one. And and the, the interactions are people are using our platform. What's working? Is a phone call working? Is, a, is an email working? Is social working? Et cetera. Then we did a second study where we pulled over 2,000 executive B2B buyers and we said okay if, if if study number one was how sales reps are choosing to engage and how they're getting in res, you know, a response study number two is how do buyers want to be engaged now what was really really interesting was this we know from the study that if your first touch point is the phone it goes up dramatically we know if you call within the first hour of getting a lead it goes up dramatically if you wait more than a day you're dead in the water we know in the second study talking to buyers they, their number one way of engaging is actually email. Number two is phone. Number three is social. Mm-hmm. But after you hook them, so let's say at the end they're, they're marketing qualified and now Dakota and her crew are definitely working their magic. Your SDRs are doing the same thing. Your BDRs are doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, boom! Phone comes way up. Social disappears. Interesting. So. What does the phone matter? I would contend at the top of the funnel, the phone is as important as email is as important as social. You got to get them agreed. in the funnel, but once they're in the funnel, phone all the way.
0: Yeah, agreed. No, one hundred percent. And and we talk about separating the the serious from the curious in our qualification oh boy, like process. And to your point, over the phone, you can you can gauge very quickly if somebody is serious about working with you versus having that conversation over email trying to understand tone and demeanor and all of those things over email and then waiting for the person to get back to you to your point where you can have a five-minute conversation determined very quickly if it makes sense
1: right so, so. great i was on a, a session the day with jeb blunt jeb blunt is the best selling author he's a sales gravy big trainer and uh, it was an interesting one we had a conversation around playbooks or cadences mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and and so we were just having a, a we we're just jamming and and i said now what's the biggest misperception you see where it comes to cadences. And he goes, everybody thinks the first touch should be email. He goes, I want to shoot them. I'm like, what, why? Help me understand, <laughs> Jeb. And his response was, okay, so what's happened? He goes, they filled out a form. or they, you know, so they've downloaded something. They've willingly given you information. They're not stupid. They know something's going to happen. They're exactly. conditioned. exactly Right? Exactly. So what do you need to do? You're going to send an email and wait? You're a salesperson, right? And you And they
0: know... Customers know and prospects know that you're there to sell them something. It's your job, right? Like there's no confusion. And so, so I think people need to shy away from, to your point, reaching out and having a candid conversation. Um, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's part of your your job. <laughs> so
1: One of the agree. questions we asked in study number two of the buyers, we mm-hmm. said, it was a two-part question. We said, when you fill out a form, do you expect they called? And overwhelmingly, they said, yes. So they're not stupid, they know. I'm filling this form out. The buyers, senior buyers know you're going to call me. And they filled the form out knowing, knowing that. that. That's really important, right? Exactly. And, I said, and then the next question was, okay, what do you think is a reasonable time to wait, um, but not too long? In other words, okay. should I call within five minutes? And overwhelmingly, they were like, no, you're stalking me. Don't do that, right? Of and that's course. a whole myth. You have to call within five minutes. If you believe <laughs> that myth, you're stupid. That's not true. No one wants to be stalked. <laughs> They said, give me, they said, which, no, the date of study one said one hour. Okay. Study two, they said, give me two to four hours. Okay. And they're just really saying, let me read the damn thing I downloaded so that when you call me, I have context. That's really what they're saying.
0: Exactly. No, agreed. Agreed. And it's funny because even with the whole cold calling piece and reaching out to prospects, you know, warm leads was something when I started my career. I was never given. There was no such thing as a warm lead at the time, um, right. at least with the company that I was working for. And I had my old boss on the first episode of the Hertzberg Group, George. And if you didn't go out and cold call and get leads, you were dead in the water. You weren't making quota. It was that simple. Now, when I started my company, 100% of my funnel was from cold calling. That Now over time, of course, we've shifted and we've brought in email and different cadences and different automations and social and LinkedIn. And LinkedIn was just kind of starting to be a thing um, back then. And now, obviously, we utilize it all the time. So I think... Everybody needs to be aware of what works for them, depending on the product and service. And obviously, we utilize Vinylsoft to help us um, track some of that. And, and, you're, and you're shocked to see, even for different companies, depending on the price point, how it differs, right? Depending on the price point of their offering, how the, the, the outreach platform needs to completely shift. So these are you, things everybody
1: needs to watch for. Oh right? my gosh, you have hit us up there. I want I want to emphasize what you just said because not <laughs> a lot of people talk about that. The price point of what you're offering huge effect on your strategy. Okay, so here's the thing: if it's cheap, and tell me if you have a different experience, Dakota. Sure. If it's cheap, we'll say it's it's under a hundred bucks. Yeah. Under a hundred bucks, maybe that's a month, but it doesn't matter. A hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, then. I can go anywhere, I can, I can risk a hundred bucks and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, right? So therefore, the first person to get a hold of me and convince them they sell a better product, yeah. I'm gonna risk a hundred bucks with them.
0: A hundred percent, right?
1: Time. So that's where the phone and speed to lead together work. Mm-hmm. And we still have many industries, you talk about if you didn't use the phone and fast you were dead in the water, and now you have more warm leads. There's many clients we have in certain industries. I'll use, you know, like insurance or sure. maybe even education, where a lot of their lead sources come from lead aggregators. Right. So an aggregator has got a wonderful little, you know, a one-page landing page. They doing some pay-per-click marketing. Do you need a loan? We're, we we authorize <laughs> the same day, and they and they have a little form and you fill this form out and we'll get back to you. And then really sure. what happens? They collect that and they yeah. sell it to like seven or eight or ten other financial institutions. Sure. In that case, mm-hmm. the one who calls first gets the customer because yeah, it's first all thing, of us.
0: First and it's that simple. I, I, and for us, I mean, we're dealing specifically in the tech space so our clients are specifically in the, in the tech space talk to me a little bit about in the report i don't know if it dives into that do you have any um data around tech holder or tech stakeholders specifically uh around because pe- pickup rates on that side are traditionally a little bit lower um, out of the gate but once you do get people um then it just becomes a matter of you know converting those people in, and and i think the other person on the the phone the other the sdr the BDR, impacts um what that looks like right so we always say to our clients we can never guarantee how many people are going to pick up but we can guarantee when somebody does pick up you have somebody on the other end that's qualified to have a conversation right so what are some data points around um tech stakeholders that you have or share any insights
1: sure so what we know, a couple of things. The tech industry as a whole tends mm-hmm. to be more sophisticated. It tends to be the most sophisticated. They tend to be early adopters. So to your point, if, if you're, whether you're using an, a, a firm equation or you're doing this yourself, you have to go in there and don't waste their time. Mm-hmm. You better have your message down, Pat, and you better be <laughs> able to have your script nailed them in the first 10 seconds enough to get the next 30 seconds, if you know what I'm saying. If you use, if your opening script is going to be something like, hi, um, oh, hi, oh, you answered. Oh, hi, it's 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 Daryl from Vanilla Soft. Uh, is now a good time? Okay, yeah. you're dead in the Brutal, world, right? brutal. You're, you're, and there's so many who do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I'll come back to that in a second. <laughs> so that's the first part. They, they smelled it a mile away. Uh, the second part is tech are more responsive. So sure. the data shows that typically – Um, most reps, most outbound reps, like whether, again, it's Dakota's reps or your own firm inside, you're going to make them. Well, actually, I me rephrase this. Dakota's reps would not do this. Most sales teams though do, which is why you want to use a firm like Dakota. Um, they'll make two to three attempts max and then they give up. Yeah. And industry stats right now are nine point two attempts are required to actually reach out Denver. and get a hold of somebody. Mm-hmm. So, and the and the and the tech area falls in line with that. They're kind of seven to nine. are a little more of an you know they're they're a little more responsive. Um, the tech thing as well, though, you're going to find uh, social media is going to work huge for tech so Absolutely. you mentioned linkedin as an example linkedin
0: for sure that's LinkedIn, that's the leading yeah. platform for us and for most of our clients and to i LinkedIn. saw a stat
1: the other day. it was a baylor university researcher if i recall and they said linkedin versus facebook and twitter when it comes to b2b is actually 270 percent more effective than facebook and twitter agreed. so yeah, now there are some agreed. you know uh, other verticals where they're not on they're simply not on linkedin like you so but tech you gotta be in LinkedIn. So you gotta be a multi-channel and, the, and that's where tech resonates. So if you're just, here's the thing, if you're just using phone and tech, you're probably gonna miss half your opportunities because they respond to social and they respond to email. And you've gotta figure out which of those three are the ones they respond that worked to. That work
0: for you, that worked for you. Yes, that worked right. for
1: that particular individual. Yeah. And the problem is, is that if you're 25 or 30 or younger, you don't wanna use the phone because that's really, really scary. And if you're forty <laughs> forty five or older you don't Well, I'm in that media. category, so it's not so scary <laughs> but. I but this is what people's you know stereotypes <laughs> are right no no no, of course of course and and the reality is you know it's not scary, you just you just like, you got to do it it's all I got to do um other industries so like insurance insurance is eighteen attempts you have to do in order to get in to order get to get a hold of somebody
0: yeah yeah. So, and- it, it it does. It's very, and I think the the biggest thing about call reluctance, because we talk a lot about that, and for some of our clients, it's not. You know, it, it's just a matter of getting their team together and doing some training um, to get over objections. Because the biggest thing, it's not necessarily the call that they're. Because you have conversations with the guy that you pump, you know, that pumps your gas. You have conversations with the guy at Timmy's. You people know how to have conversations. It's not that. It's the. You know, concern around getting rejected and told no. That's what people are concerned about relating to cold calls. It's not having a conversation. They have conversations every day. So it's getting people over the fear of getting rejected, which is going to come no matter what. You could be the best cold caller. Like, I I, I still cold call. People are going to tell you no sometimes. That's okay. But it's being able to pivot effectively and then taking the no and saying, okay, I'm one step closer to a yes, right, and having that attitude.
1: So you just said two really important things. So actually, you probably said three. One is, one is going to be self-aware. I don't like rejection. I admit it. <laughs> Until you admit it, you're dead in the water. All right? <laughs> Number two, you said was, you just got to accept it. So what she's really saying is, you have to have the right mindset. You say, I'm going to get rejected. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because, and I love the way Dakota just said, it, that shows that she's a pro. Because what she said was effectively, I'm okay with the no because you know what? That means that call's done and I can move on to the next one because the next one might be a yes. Exactly. So it was self aware and it was mindset. Now I'm gonna give a shout out here to my good friend Andrea Waltz. Andrea okay. has got a book you should buy if you're listening to this. It's called Go for No. Go okay. for No. And her whole point is tied to the mindset that you were just talking about, which says instead of avoiding the no, you freaking embrace it, you make a game of it. You said, and, and so now it's, it's like, okay, in the next hour, I want 10 no's. Mm-hmm. So when they give you a no, you're like, yes, now I'm down to nine. <laughs> yes, now exactly. I'm down to eight. And then yes. if someone halfway through gives you a yes, you actually are getting angry. I didn't want a yes because I had a goal of 10 no's. Sure. But sure. I'm here, so I guess I'll work it. I
0: hear you. I mean, I, I, I like I like it. I mean, we're, we're not going to set no targets, but <laughs> – I like the no's because yep. you. we always say, seek out the no's. You're that much closer to a yes. And your job as a salesperson, I mean, for me, the way it was explained to me early on in my career, and I've ran with that, is you're you're, you're kind of an investigator. Your job is to dig, yeah. dig, dig, and find the answers. And if the answer is no, then the answer is no. Move on. Yep. Um, your job isn't to turn the no's into yeses. It's to find the yeses.
1: Like could, could you imagine a police detective yeah. not liking their job? Because what if a, a clue leads to a dead end? And it's like, oh! I can't do this job anymore. Exactly. But, yeah, but you're right. It's like no, I, I want to know a no so I can go looking for the next one because the next one might be you know gold.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So a hundred percent. And then I know we we spoke. You and I both talked about this in the past about you know on a cold call closing out the call. One of the most fundamental things that I think people have a hard time with, uh, and you and I know I know agree on this. Maybe we've changed. You've changed your opinion around you know closing out the call with the prospect. And sending the calendar invite because I know there was some data, uh, uh, Vanilla Soft did a report yes. about this, and I loved this because we talk about the and The calendar,
1: the calendly.
0: can't stand. Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> Let's get into that. Let's get sec. into this one, and everybody's going to roll your eyes at Me, but here we go. So I know. Uh, David Hood, my CEO here at Vanilla Soft, and I, he and I share a beef, and therefore we injected our beef into this study because we wanted to get the answer i love it and because we're senior in the company we get all of the cold calls and the emails saying you should buy our stuff and uh and what we get is we get uh you know even if i express an interest you know what you know dakota i actually really like what you have to say yeah i'll have a meeting with you and you respond with great here's my calendly
0: it's brutal it's brutal
1: yes so for those of you going, I don't, why is it brutal? I don't understand. This is just, just convenient. You're going to find time on my calendar. No, no. Let me understand. Let me explain to you what's going on here. When you give me a link to your calendar, what you are saying as a salesperson to a buyer mm-hmm. is you're saying that your schedule's really busy. busy. Yeah. But it's you, crazy. Mr. Buyer, can you find time somewhere on my schedule? Because it's all about me. Me as a buyer, I don't want to relinquish control because I know what this is. This is a mm-hmm. game of control because I'm going to eventually, if I like you, I'm going to hit you up on price. So control is important. Exactly. I don't want to relinquish control early. So that's the first part, right? Yeah. So we, we, we did a survey and we said, how do you want to schedule that next appointment? Number one, give me some times. Mm-hmm. Number two, send me a calendar link. Mm-hmm. Number three, um, do both. Calendly link with times. Mm -hmm. So in other words, oh, I'm a, you know, would next Friday at 10 or next Tuesday at three work for you? And if neither of those times work, uh, then here's a calendar link to find something that will work better for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, So we did it. Now here's the irony. Number one, actually was the calendar link, but -hmm. just barely, it was just over 40%. Mm -hmm. It was like, I want to say 42, 43% said, yes, send me a calendar link. Mm -hmm. But then when you add the other two that said, no, no, either give me times Or give me both options, you the math. That is almost 60%, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. This is one of my biggest pet peeves is when people reach out to me and then ask me to go and do the heavy lifting. Yep. Right. As and and I don't appreciate it. And we we, me and those people rarely talk um because I don't follow up unless they follow up with me. I think if it's important enough, send me the times. Um for all of our campaigns that we're running and even our BDRs here that are making calls on behalf of equation sales. When you follow up with a prospect and they say yes, you provide the times over the phone with them live and book the call and send the placeholder while they're on the phone with you and get them to accept it. Or if they're asking you to follow up with times, you follow up with specific dates and times and then you send the calendar invite over including the information. I just think that's something that every BDR and SDR, they drop the ball on. And people think, oh, it doesn't really matter. But trust me, we've watched it very closely. And it does matter. You can see the amount of meetings that don't happen when the rep doesn't follow up immediately with the date and times or secure with a calendar invite. You'd be surprised.
1: No, I'm um, not. He, I'm, <laughs> I'm always surprised that people are surprised, and all sure. honesty. Okay, but let me flip it around on you. Do you yep. have time for me to flip this of course, scenario yeah, around yeah, on yeah. you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, absolutely. good. Um, Okay. So you, I just heard you said you have your reps do the call. So let me, does it go something like this? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Great Dakota. So then uh, would next Tuesday at three or next Wednesday at 10 work for you? Is that what you would do? So yeah, we would provide two
0: different dates with two different times.
1: And then we would provide times in the morning in one day and the
0: afternoon the other day so that they, you know, you're know you not going in the tam- same time slot. So that's what we would do. Okay.
1: So I just literally two hours ago <laughs> okay. posted a video on LinkedIn this. about the either or close. We are sure. trying to advance it to the next meeting. Sure. And I, I personally, and I, and I did this in conjunction with Michael Padone. Michael Padone and I are doing a series of videos right now that we're having fun with. We're calling it Hashtag Enough Bad Advice, and it's okay. just tongue-in-cheek. Right, yeah, And we tackled it. the either or. So it was an interesting conversation in all honesty. So the premise being exactly what you just said, I gave a morning and an afternoon. That's very well thought out. Most people don't even think that far ahead. I love that. Sure. Um, and you're giving emotions. Michael would contend that you could do it better, and this is why. And I, and okay. I like his thought process. Okay. His thought process is this. You're going to say so, so you know, is it 9 a.m. or 2 p.m., blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he goes... you're you're fundamentally, how do do you put this? You're taking control. You're trying to close it. You're trying to squeeze it in at a certain date and time, on this time or that time, because that's what works for you and keeps the deal moving forward. He knows what's going to happen. If they're not comfortable with your ad, in other words, you, your prospect thinks that it's really good. You had a good call. The SDR, the BDR thinks you had a good call. But the prospect was just humoring you. Right. They're going to say, "Yeah, sure, 9 a.m." and then they're going to no show you because they're going to avoid sure. conflict,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. Whereas his approach is, he's saying instead what you should say is something like, "So, where do we go from here? Does another call make sense?" And his point is, you want them to say, "Yes, another call makes sense." Great. Would 9 a.m. or 2 p.m. work? Because if they say, "No, well, I'm not sure," boom, that you want to know now whether on the call. Did you miss something? Did you mm-hmm. not set value? Was there a, an objection that wasn't raised? And if there was, you want them to tell you now. So you say So you- I
0: love that. Yes. No, no, I love what you just said. And, and to be clear, so we obviously we definitely before we secure the calendar invite and give time to ask for the meeting, like if it makes sense.
1: That's what we um, should do.
0: So we do that. But I also like what you said. And I tell these guys all the time, and even our in our training, don't give, don't ask a question and then give the answer to the question, right? So ask a question, stop talking, call it the pregnant pause, and you'll really get a reaction out of somebody that's genuine. Don't say, oh, well, John, you know, were you thinking that da, 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 and you give them the answer and it's easy for them to say, yeah, versus what were you thinking? Stop talking and let them answer because they'll give you a genuine reaction.
1: (laughs) So for those who keep on talking... (laughs) <laughs> what you're doing is you don't have confidence in what you did and you're fearing that you won't get yes. a positive response, yes. all right?
0: Yes, 100%. Just acknowledge
1: it. Yes. <laughs> you know, the pregnant pause is the most powerful thing going. Trust me, they will answer. It they may will. take forever, but they yep. will they answer. They will a
0: hundred percent. I love that.
1: That's yep. amazing.
0: <laughs> I'm glad we agree on that. So yes. I, wa- I want to wrap it up here cause I want to be conscious of your time. Let's ch- last, last piece. Let's chat about, you know, in terms of the multi, you know, multi-layer campaigns that people can run out there. We always like to have cold calling be a component of it. Some clients agree. Some clients disagree. Um, what are your thoughts of, you know, social email and calling? Where would you, if somebody was trying to scale aggressively, how would you rate those three and what percentage out of a hundred? I'm putting you on the spot, but I, I just, I want to you know. You are putting you
1: me want. on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting my math in my head. Um, yeah, I'd probably go email 50%, phone mm-hmm. call 30% social, but I might even go 50, 35, mm-hmm. 15 Okay. on social so um, and the reason social. i would have 15. emails so high okay. uh, it's it's not that i'm discounting cold yeah. i'm just i'm just saying um if you're going to use the phone like 12 times then that kind of feels like stalking people are far less opposed to being stalked on email than they are on phones of course. Of course. now let me throw a twist your way mm-hmm. though all right Mm -hmm. to make it more interesting (laughs) because really when i throw my twist your way you're going to realize that phone is almost equal to email here's the twist okay okay all right if i use a phone there's two things that can happen when you use a phone right because you're either if they don't if they answer life is good and you're at that go no go point you can figure it out but you know we know they're not going to answer you're going to do one of two things you're going to either leave a voicemail or you're going to ghost them in other words no voicemail, but they'll see they missed a call and they'll see the, your number and they'll go, Oh, look, Dakota called me again, but no voicemail. All right, so it's sure. a brand impression and you're top of mind. Mm-hmm. So those are the yeah. two things. Now you think social. Okay, social. What are you doing with social? You're going to ping them and they, they're going to ignore you. Maybe, maybe send a connection request. They might accept. Maybe it depends on how good you are with your request. Um, yeah. But once, you're re- once you are connected, uh, you're going to use social. Here it comes mm-hmm. to leave them a voice message on LinkedIn, not right. just text, All yeah. right, Text yeah. is like, you know, you're going to literally either, you, and you can send them a video too.
0: So we do know. videos. So I love that you said that because yes. we also do videos. I do video videos to people, right?
1: And voice messages on LinkedIn, which is just another form of a phone call, kids. Exactly. Huge <laughs> response rate. So here's the irony. Yeah. Voicemail on phone doesn't work that well voicemail on linkedin works, works. crazy good works. video on linkedin crazy works. good yeah yeah and i would agree with you there i would say like i
0: i put cold calling in the 25 to 30 percent of your outreach platform okay that's so I where i put it so, we're, so we're not
1: too far apart
0: yeah yeah so that that uh that's beautiful i'm so wow. glad we got to do <laughs> yeah.
1: i was nervous there what if i get it wrong
0: Oh, good. Oh, no, this is why I like to have genuine conversations, right? Like you yeah. just throw things out there and see what people say. Um, no, I think this was brilliant. Thank you so much, uh, Daryl, for your time. This was super valuable, I think, to a lot of our listeners uh, and companies that are, that are looking to scale and grow. And I mean, we've been using Manila Soft for over two years and it's been, um, you know, fantastic for us. So uh, we'll continue to, uh, you know, utilize it with all of our clients because it just gives us that extra leg up of not having to manually find that data it just kind of pulls the reports for us, which, you know, it's all about saving time. Let's love be real. It. So thank you so much for coming. And uh, I look forward to chatting soon.
1: I love it. Thank you so much, Dakota.
0: <laughs> thank you.